I don't eat carrots, I wouldn't know. <laughs> you just eat shit. Just cut, fire cut pe- out the middleman. <laughs> I just fire peas off one at a time. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. It's one at a time, as if come out as mushy peas. Um, I like mushy peas. I don't like peas either. Fucking hell! What's your favourite vegetable? I do like raw carrot. I don't like cooked carrot. Cooked vegetable. I know a lot of people like that. My favourite cooked vegetable is probably cabbage. Mine's potatoes. Boil them, mash them into soup. Yes, they are a vegetable. Potatoes up there then. But I don't don't like it when there's. I like the little baby corns you get as well. Because I like crunchy veg. I don't like it when it's all soggy. Crunchy food is supposed to improve your mood. That's why I eat so many crisps. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't explain why I'm so fucking moody though. I was going to say, yeah, I'm happy while I'm chewing, then I realise I've got a fat gut. <laughs> I'm happy while I'm chewing. I like that. I'm going to get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm only happy when I'm chewing. <laughs> Mega lols. Right, should we go? Welcome to a special bite-sized episode of Too Much Time On Our Hands, The Theatrical Cut. I'm Sonia, and sat next to me, instead of opposite me, still with a face for radio, is Terry. Hi, Sonia. Hello, dear. It's quite disconcerting because I'm sat opposite the TV, so I can actually see my own face now, so I can see quite how suitable for radio I am. (laughs) What, because you didn't know before? No. Do you not have mirrors? Did you ever ban them? (laughs) It's like Beauty and the Beast, they're all just covered. covered up, yeah. And any painting of me has been ripped to shreds, <laughs> so I can't see my own face. Oh, lol. Um, so this is a very um, short and Easter egg sweet episode where Terry and I are going to talk about some of our favourite Easter films. Yeah. Um, because it's Easter. It is, and Easter egg chocolate tastes better than normal chocolate. So, I agree. I think chocolate tastes better in hollow Easter egg form. And button form. Chocolate buttons, especially giant chocolate buttons, taste better than their chocolate bar equivalent. I've just eaten some Bourneville buttons. You might have noticed I didn't offer you any. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice you eat them, to be honest. <laughs> I hoovered them up quite quickly. A Bourneville button tastes better than a Bourneville bar. I mean, I can't imagine anything tasting worse than a Bourneville bar. So. <laughs> What's wrong with Bourneville? It's just a bit bitter, isn't it? That's probably why I like it. <laughs> I think it's Josh Riddicombe that says that dark chocolate just tastes like paracetamol. Bourneville isn't bitter. It's it's the least... Uh, the reason I like Bourneville is because it's the most like milk chocolate because some people may know that I don't eat milk chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> the key ingredient being milk. Um, but hotel chocolate do 100% um, dark chocolate. Oh, I imagine that like turns you inside out. Right. <laughs> It is, it's something else. I went in there and they were doing some like taste testing and Rich was there. Rich, you know what Rich is like, yeah. bring it up. Did um, even he tell his nose This, is, this is not Rich from the fan club, this is other Rich. And Rich was there like hoovering up the chocolate 
And um, the lady says to me, she goes, would you like to try now? I said, oh, no, I don't eat milk chocolate. She says, oh, we've got some dark chocolate. Would you like to try it? And she got it from under the counter, like a <laughs> the video. The special stuff. Like a video nasty. Like, she sort of presented it to me. Did they dust it off out of the, the wax-sealed box? She gave me the tiniest piece. It was like the size of a, um, like a chocolate drop, you know, yep. like a chocolate chip. It was the size of that. And I kind of looked at it. She went, trust me. You won't need a bigger piece. And I put it in, I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. You know when you eat a lemon and your lips kind of turn inside out? It was like that, but in chocolate form. Um, <clears throat> it was amazing. I do like bitter chocolate. <laughs> Bourneville was not bitter. Um, but yeah, hotel chocolate, 100% is something, something else. You should do that for one of your food challenges. What, try a flower of it? <laughs> yeah, see how much you can eat. I don't think I'd enjoy that. I mean, not that I enjoyed the Jaffa cakes, but... How do you eat your cream eggs? I don't like them so much since they changed the recipe, but I'm very much a bite the top off, maybe give it a bit of a tongue, and then just throw (laughs) the rest of it in. God. (laughs) I don't know why I Oh, There was every chance that you were going to tongue a cream egg. I don't know why I asked you how you ate yours. It's weird because I, ha- I don't think I've had one for a couple of years, but Daisy got given one at nursery, so I had that away because she went bloody over that. I'll send her off the fucking roof, that. <laughs> Who gives a baby a cream egg? Fucking hell. The fucking um, nursery. Um. Anyway, we've gone slightly off topic. Well, we were talking about Easter. Yeah, galaxy chocolate's my favourite. Is it? A nice bar of galaxy, yeah. Like plain chocolate. Oh, okay. Bar, Kit Kat, four finger. And you do break the fingers off and eat them separately. Although I am capable of getting all four fingers still attached in my mouth at once. Not biting them? No, just... Okay, that's fine. People that bite through the fingers... Without breaking them? Yeah. Like, what kind of savagery is that? I I mean, this is possibly my OCD kicking in, but if I'm buying one from a shop and I pick it up and it's broken, I can't buy it. I have to buy one that feels like a solid mass. Even though I'm going to break it to eat it, it has to be a solid mass for them. Pick it up. Good. Right. And that's our Easter special completed. We <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. What's your favourite Easter egg? Um, no, seriously. So Terry and I decided to watch some of our, or re-watch some of our favourite Easter films. Upon um, watching mine, I realised that um, none of them are actually about Easter. But... I'm still having them. Set at Easter or Easter's mentioned at par- in yeah, passing at some yeah. point in the film. So I'll start with... Um, they're, all, they're all pretty vague. I'll, I'll, I'll start with the earliest film that I watched. Um, and as soon as we sort of discussed an Easter episode, this was my first pick straight away. Um, just because I love the film. And it's the film Easter Parade. Uh, which, of course, has got Fred Astaire and Judy Garland in it. Mm-hmm. Um, two of my hashtag faves. Um, the film is from 1948, and the beginning of the film is set at Easter, and the duration of the film, uh, the story lasts, um, takes place over the course of a year, so we start with an Easter parade and we end with, an Easter, e- end with an Easter parade. Um so the film starts with Fred Astaire's character um, in a store buying Easter gifts for his partner. And his partner is his dance partner and I believe his romantic partner. Um, and 
you've got like the famous um, drum song sequence in there where he does a dance routine um, and he's also, there's drums in there and he's kicking the drums as well. So if you like Fred Astaire movies, it's a really well-known and very good dance routine in there. So he buys his Easter presents for his partner. He takes them back to their apartment upon where she decides, I'm going to go solo. I'm going to go and do my own tour. This seem, this is like a classic tale. Um, with a lot of these like, early musicals, the storyline seems to go, you've got, you've got a couple that are a dance couple, a performing couple and a romantic couple. The man will meet another young lady. It's always mm. a younger lady. Obviously, you trade it in for a younger model. A young beautiful lady who they're attracted to but they've got a partner but their partner decides just to up and leave them now i've decided to leave or i've decided i love this man instead and there's always that they it almost seems to work out well for mm. the for the man oh their partner's left them but it's okay because look oh judy garland's over yeah. there like i her knocking about yeah so fred astaire goes home with all his easter gifts for his partner and she says no i'm gonna go and do my own solo tour i'm not gonna do our tour He's very put out. He goes to a bar to have a few like consolation drinks, um, and he he sees this like dance troupe performing, and he decides to make his old partner jealous by asking Judy Garland to basically come and be his new dance partner because he dis he claims he can make anyone a star. His opinion is. I made you a star. I don't need you. I can make any girl a star. So Fred Astaire and Judy Garland go on tour together. Um, he teaches her how to dance. She starts to fall for him. But he's just being a bit tricky. And then there's a, a line in the film where he says something like, why didn't you tell me I was in love with you? And apparently that was said to Judy Garland in another film as well. Um... But anyway, so they end up falling in love and performing and everything works out lovely. Um, but basically, at the start of the film, he's like they've had a dance uh, practice and they're walking um, through and she gets very excited because she sees the Easter parade and he says, this time next year, by the time we, we get to the next Easter parade, I will have made you a star. And so the film ends. They are star. Their show has been hugely successful and they then enter the Easter Parade. So she's then, instead of being like a bystander, she's part of the Easter mm -hmm. Parade because she's a star now and she wears a big hat, which is what they do in the Easter Parade. So not really a film about Easter. What happened to the woman that left him? Is she in the Easter Parade or is she, is she, she like destitute in, on no, the No, no, she's in the Easter Parade because she does her own show, which is successful. Um and she has so she has a collection of dogs so the other lady has a selection of dogs and someone brings her a dog as a gift and she says oh brilliant i've got the perfect outfit i'll wear him with and so uh, the dogs are like her accessories so at the end when you see the Easter real parade, live dogs yes um she just carries them around like little ornaments but she'll match her outfit to them that's what they all do now and they have their dogs in their bags ahead um, of a time and at the end of the film, you see her in the Easter Parade, but she's she's walking her two big dogs or however many big dogs that she's got, and she's got a matching outfit. So yeah, it works out well for everyone in the end, especially Judy Garland, because she wanted to be in the Easter Parade, and she is in the Easter Parade. And it's also got the famous routine in it. Um, a couple of swells, which some listeners 
may recognise, you may recognise if you saw it, it's, it's where Fred Astaire and Judy Garland are dressed up as like hobos. So rather Vaguely than, rather than, you know, typical sort of like top pattern tails for him and a lovely gown for her, they're both wearing like really tatty suits. They've got top hats that are like falling apart. I think they've got um, uh, like all stuff all over their face. I think she might even have a few of her teeth blacked, blacked out. Up. No, they've got dirt on their faces because they're clearly living, living rough. That's part of the act, yeah. And that's quite another famous dance routine as well. So for fans of the musicals, um, if you haven't seen Easter Parade, it's a bloody treat. Terry? Yeah, so mine was, isn't quite the... Uh, well, it is the visual one. So I, <laughs> um, I watched The Passion of the Christ. I've never seen that film. Have you not? No. So is it long? It's a couple of hours, oh, and longer. it's not in English, and it's not subtitled. <laughs> They're speaking like Aramaic or whatever they would have spoken at the time, and the whole idea is that like you don't need to understand it, because obviously this is a deeply religious film. It's one of the few films in my lifetime that I remember there being a big hoo-ha about. I even remember being at the cinema. I can't remember what I was going to see, but the people in front of me... This was back in the days when you queued up to buy tickets. You didn't book them online or so. It's from 2004, so it's quite old now. Um, and they said, oh, I don't suppose The Passion of the Christ is sold out. Is it? Went, oh, no, we've got tickets. Oh, we better have some then. And then these this, these people went to go and see it. Because um, obviously a lot of people... Because it's very pro-Christianity... Um, quite anti-Semitic so there was a lot of backlash because of how anti-Semitic it was because it doesn't paint the Romans in a particularly nice light obviously they're not particularly nice to Jesus Um, and but then the Christians really got behind it because it shows and this is the most Eastery film of them all because it is about Jesus being betrayed by Judas and crucified amongst other things the one thing that really stands out for this film is quite how brutal it is so we see in grave detail him being whipped with a cat of nine tails, which has glass in the whip. And you actually see like the whip hit him and dig into his ribs, rip it as it comes out. It is very bloody. It's very graphic. And where I say there's no subtitles, there isn't actually that much talking. It is, it's a very sort of art housey piece where it's all about the visuals. Um, Directed by Mel Gibson, mm. which was I did know that which was a turn up for the books at the time, but he's a he's a deeply religious man himself and has been known to be called anti Semitic in other know times. No, he was religious. I just thought he was anti Semitic. I think he's both. Right. Okay. Um, I think the the Christianity because he's got like his own chapel in his in his the grounds of his house that he had built. Um, but yeah, and his whole thing was that it. It wasn't necessarily a film to entertain. He felt it was his duty to make a film about the suffering and the passion of the Christ. Um, and it is, it's Jim Caviezel playing Jesus. JC, JC, see see what he did there? And it's got Monica Bellucci as uh, Magdalene, the prostitute, who sort of leads him down the weary path. There's some really, like, arty stuff where, like... The, the devil is seen, but it's like, not like the devil with horns. It's like someone in, like, a black robe and they just sort of appear at certain points and we see the crucifixion and that is properly brutal like you see the nails going into his wrist into the wood apparently Jim Caviezel was actually struck by lightning while he was on the crucifix filming a scene um that's some bad juju yeah well evidently God wasn't impressed with this film 
Um, it made a shit ton of money. Um, there's been constant talk ever since of like a sequel, which showing the resurrection because this does end with him dying on the cross, and obviously, the main part of Easter is him coming back for the sequel afterwards. Um, but I the sequel. Yeah, the sequel. <laughs> I love it. I'm back and I'm bad. Um, Christ is risen. The sequel. <laughs> Um, I think Family Guy did a parody did you say of that. I'm back and I'm bad. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus has gone bad. <laughs> yeah, he's. Yeah. Um, see, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, and anyone who knows me, I'm not a religious man, but for some reason, I really like religious stuff. Like, I like religious imagery, and I like religious films, and I think that's why I'm drawn to this film because I do really enjoy this film. I've watched it. I own. I thought I owned it. I've obviously kexed it over the years, so I had to rebuy it. But can I borrow it? Yeah. Um, I thought it was on Netflix as well, but it's not. Maybe it'll be back on over Easter. Um, it's but, normally on the telly box over Easter. I, I would have thought so. Um, but, yeah, it's not for the faint hide. I think it is like an 18-rated film. And there is, as I say, there is tons of blood. There is tons of gore. He doesn't... There's no sort of flinching, like... Even, like, the most recent Halloween film, there's bits where the camera doesn't follow Michael as he does something yeah. horrible. This very much centres on what is happening to Jesus as it's happening... Um, but yeah it's just it's one of those films where you're not even sure if you're enjoying it but it's just like keeps you going keeps you watching and yeah I, I would recommend it but not for the faint hearted yeah I do it is on my to watch list um, I do want to say and like you I uh, like those kind of films yeah um, <clears throat> okay so the next one I've got is is easily the least Eastery. um Home Alone. How, how I even remembered that this was set at Easter is beyond me. It's the film Dead Snow. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm set at that. Easter. Yeah. So the film Dead Snow, for any of you that don't know, is a Norwegian film. And it's about a group of medical students who go on a skiing trip on their Easter vacation from school. So Easter plays a pivotal part in the plot. Yes. Then. And there we have the Easter connection for me picking Dead Snow. I love Dead Snow. There's nothing Eastery about this at all. But the blurb says on the back of the box that they're on their Easter vacation. So I was fucking having it. Um, this is a horror comedy. Um, which I'm not normally a massive fan of. There are some exceptions to the rule and this is one of them the group of medical students go off to stay in this cabin um and do various fun things in the snow and whilst they're there they are attacked by a group do they unearth the zombies or do they just start attacking them i know i've seen it but i can't remember i believe they just start attacking them um they are attacked by some zombie nazis uh, which are, are just buried, mm-hmm. um, buried in the area where they've gone skiing, gone for their little uh, snow trip in the Easter, um, and one by one they're sort of like picked off, and it's just a survival film against the zombie Nazis, as you'd expect. At set at Easter on the Easter holidays from their school, so therefore it cl- is classed as an Easter film. Tenuous, but I'll give um, you it. Yep, yeah, I'm having it. I'm having it. There's some great. Uh, death scenes um, there's an outside toilet and there's a couple of death scenes in there um, 
Well, there's one death scene in there and a sex scene in there, which I thought was... In the toilet. Particularly gruesome, because I do believe the young man had just done a poo. <laughs> so, <laughs> sexy times. I don't know if maybe the cold, like, <laughs> removes the smell, I don't know, but um, a young lady followed him straight in, um, and they had a lovely time, as you would say, <laughs> and then one of them was, was offed by the zombies. Um it's really worth a look. There is a sequel, which I have not seen yet. But this is one of my absolute fave horror comedies. And it's got the brilliant tagline, Eins Why Die. Yeah. Love it. Right. What's your next one? Because I watched three Easter films. Terry only bothered to watch two. I'm a busy man. And when we what get to, to the next topic, you'll understand why time was short. Um, so <clears throat> the next film I watch is actually set at the same time as the first film I watched to but be from fair, a different perspective to be fair although you've only watched two films and I've watched three yours are actually Easter films <laughs> yeah uh, so the next one I watched was The Monty Python's Life of Brian mm. which uh, is obviously again set around the crucifixion but for a, from a comedy slant it's Brian that we're following not Jesus who was born on the same night across the way the film opens with the three wise men turning up at Brian's birth, handing over the presents and then coming back to take them because they then walk out and see Jesus being born across the way with the the beautiful scene and not Brian's mother being horrible to everyone. Um, I love Monty Python. I think I love the shows. I love the films. Life of Brian is probably my favourite of their films, closely followed by The Holy Grail. And this film never fails to make me, like, snort laugh. It's just... I absolutely love it. So you've got Graham Chapman playing Brian, and then obviously he only plays one other person, Biggest Dickus, <laughs> who's a Roman soldier. Um, and then you've got the rest of the crew playing a million different roles, but it's just... It's just so funny. So Brian want, dreams of being bigger than he is just living with his mum he wants to join the Judean People's Front not the People's Front of Judea which is a completely different group that everyone hates and they have meetings about meetings and take votes to take votes and get nothing achieved which is quite a parable for our times at the moment where there's just a lot of talking and no actual action Um, and it's just is it like one of those meetings that could just be an email oh 100% doesn't even need to be an email. You could probably just knock it on the head and carry on. Um, <laughs> knock it on the head. But there's just so many... There's too many things to really sort of narrow in on one. But one of my favourite bits towards the end where people are properly starting to follow Brian and they think he is the Messiah for whatever reason. I can't remember exactly. They chase him out into the desert and he falls into a hole where a man has been living for 18 years as a sacrifice to God that he hasn't spoken He's not very happy and starts talking and starts screaming at Brian, I haven't spoken for 18 years, how could you do this to me? The people turn up and they're going, oh, my Lord, my Lord, show us a miracle. And the guy goes, I haven't spoken for 18 years. It's a miracle, it's a miracle. He cured his voice. And it's just so ridiculous. And that he's trying to say, I'm not the Messiah, leave me alone. And they're going, but only the true Messiah would tell us he's not the Messiah. So then he goes, all right, I am the Messiah. He is, he is the Messiah. Now, fuck off. And everyone just has like, how should we fuck off? It's just... So if you like Monty Python, you'll absolutely love it. If you don't like ridiculous... I mean, for the younger listener, you might even not really know who the Monty Python are, but it's it was like a live-action family guy before Family Guy, just random 
cuts to different storylines. I mean, like this has aliens in it at one point, but it's just I could watch it over and over again. I love it. I know you're not a Monty Python. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, it doesn't um, do anything for me. And again, this film ends with a crucifixion, but a happy crucifixion where, I mean, you must love the song Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Love it how? Because it's just a great song. Yeah, but that's that's fine. Yeah, Does but that's a Monty Python song from this film. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I like the film. No, but I'm not saying that you like the film, I'm just saying, but you must like the song as well. <clears> I'm saying you're not... Whatever. It's fine. It's just fine. It, yeah, Monty Python does nothing for me. It falls into the same category. Sorry, listeners, as Only Fools and Horses as well. I just look at it, I'm like, where are the funny bits? You just lost 50% of the audience. But dead snow, <laughs> zombies killing people in toilets, that's the funny shit. Literally. Um, but I enjoyed you talking about Monty Python. Thank you. I think I'd like to watch Monty Python, but watch you watching Monty Python, if that makes oh, yeah. sense. Because I watched this in large chunks with my headphones in on my laptop at work and kept laughing out loud at the same snort laughing. Because um, most of it's visual as well. I imagine it's very so attractive. Oh, they were swooning. Um, <laughs> Because a lot of it's very visual, so it's hard to like explain. But yeah, it's on Netflix. Just watch it. I think all the Monty Python films are on Netflix at the moment. So, and even like the series and stuff. So yeah, get involved. Or not. Um, last one then. Um, again, it's not an Easter film, but it does have an Easter character, and I I think this is probably the most Eastery of the three that I've picked and I really really love this film I really rate it and it's uh, The Rise of the Guardians oh I've seen this from 2012 um, it's a animated animated film computer animated it's and it features various different guardians of children and that was Terry dropping his phone with, which if he hadn't been fiddling with wouldn't have fallen on the floor Anyway, so Rise of the Guardians, as I was saying, is about um, a group of guardians whose job it is is to protect um, children's imaginations. So as long as children believe in them, then they're alive, if that makes Mm. sense. Um, You've got various different guardians. So we start off, we've got Father Christmas, who they call North, which I absolutely love. Um, you've got the Tooth Fairy you've got the Sandman who they call Sandy who's a really lovely character who Mm. never speaks um, and it wouldn't even occur to me you know you think of like Father Christmas and the Tooth Fairy you never really think of Sandman um, Mm. and I thought that was a really nice addition Um, and you've got this bad character who they call Pitch um, which is pitch black and he's basically who the kids see as the boogeyman and he comes to basically he wants children He he's come to terrorise the children of the earth so if children believe in the boogeyman they will stop believing in the good guardians because they'll only believe in bad things mm. and then he can you know his dark reign can take over the earth they have to to help defeat pitch black they have to recruit another guardian who's been kind of like left by the wayside which is jack frost 
Um, but then making up their gang is the special character we're going to talk about, which is the Easter Bunny, which is played brilliantly by Hugh Jackman. <laughs> this is personally, I think, one of Hugh Jackman's greatest roles. He does it with his accent, doesn't he? He's Australian. Yes, so he's an Australian Easter Bunny. So to wind him up, Jack Frost keeps like referring to him as being a kangaroo um, because he's big. He's a big bunny. When you think of the Easter Bunny, or some people might think of like a nice, small, cute little bunny, but he's a big bugger. He's like the size of a kangaroo and he's quite tough and he's got a boomerang which he lobs around all over the place. And it's just brilliantly, brilliantly done. All the Guardians are brilliant. I mean, but yeah, the Tooth Fairy is very sort of like sweet and pretty, but North Father Christmas is this great big hulking like Russian guy, I think. Mm. Um, Jack Frost is like a cheeky little scamp you could imagine like skateboarding but instead he's like creating ice mm. sheets for people to like skate on and then sandy is just this lovely round little character made of sand who doesn't speak and just motions to everyone and then you've got this ridiculous great big bunny rabbit um and one by one they have to you see their own little battles as they have to try and um go up against pitch as pitch tries to destroy all of their various Mm. different things so during the film easter is actually coming up and so the east so they're trying to fight against pitch but at the same time the easter bunny is saying okay guys but it's easter next week we need i need to make sure everything's ready so you go to like where the easter bunny lives they all go there and he's got like these helpers which are like giant eggs and also, like, Father Christmas, the North character, you think that the elves help make all the toys, but the elves are, like, really small and dumb in this, and he's got these great big, like, almost, like, abominable snowmen helping him, mm. doing all the work. But, yeah, ultimately, they all have to come together to defeat Pitch, and the Easter Bunny is part of the gang of guardians that help or not help, I won't give away the ending. Um, but it will come together to try to Does it end with the crucifixion? Defeat pitch. There's there's no Jesus in this, no. There's only there's only characters that children believe in. I didn't say that. I don't know. I don't know. Um you believe in what you want to believe in. I've got no uh I've got no judgment. Um but yeah, that's my three non Easter Easter films. Yeah, I've I've seen Guardians, I I did enjoy that as well very good mm. I think of all of the ones I love all three films that I watched but I'd probably if you were like put one on now I'd probably put Rise of the Guardians on I like Hugh Jackman in it a lot Hugh Jackman does do a good voice doesn't he because we talked about Flushed Away before yeah but he's I think it's just a weird character as well like an Australian giant bunny you know because you don't imagine the Easter Bunny to have a boomerang well, yeah, you don't imagine the Easter Bunny to be Australian, no. But why? I don't know. Randomly, I was reading something. Apparently, a rabbit being involved in Easter originated in Germany. Oh. So, really, you should have a German accent. Um, why is that? No idea. I didn't read that far into it. I just saw that... You just saw the word Easter and thought, <gasps> chocolate. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, right, have you got anything else to say about Easter? Uh, no, not really. Not really. So this concludes our little bite-sized episode then for Easter. Um, enjoy your four-day weekend, as I'm sure you've all got one. Have you got one? I've got a five-day weekend. I use today's holiday as well. What, first time Tuesday? Yeah, I'm off tomorrow as well. Oh. Um, 
I'm going to a wedding, so I'm going to assume when they planned the wedding, they didn't know when Easter was going no, to that, be. That's the one thing about Easter, and it's always moving. You never know when it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to a wedding. We're staying over. <laughs> the wedding's on Saturday. We're staying over till Monday. I'm thinking nothing's going to be open on Sunday. No, literally nothing. Big Asda's shut. Yeah. If the big Asda's shut, East, what else is going to be Easter open? Easter Sunday is one of the few ones that is still like regimentally like held to, isn't it? That like you don't open and you the keep... gym's open. Yeah. There you go. You could go to the gym. I'm not short of things to do. You're the one who's off somewhere with nothing to do. Yeah. True. Okay then. Well, thank you for listening. Um, tune in next week where we'll be talking about the films of Quentin Tarantino. And yeah. it's been quite the task um, just trying to watch those because what what is actually quite a small um, catalogue in the grand scheme of things yeah. what we normally for what we normally cover a small canon of films but it's taken approximately 58 days to get through them all because I was like yeah. blooming long but the thing is I don't think any of them feel long they're all I think one of them feels long but we'll discuss that next week <laughs> We won't discuss it now. Is there any Easter in Quentin Tarantino films? Uh, I don't think there is, is there? No, I don't think so. A lot of the N-word. That's something that watching them all back to back as... What's that got to do with Easter? Nothing, I'm just saying... Oh. The N-word is in a lot of his films all the time. Yes. One one of the films, I think, actually holds the record for the most use of the N-word. But anyway, that's got nothing to do with (laughs) Easter. Nothing to do. We'll save that for the next episode. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can get in touch with us via all the usual things like the Facebook and the Instagram. We are Theatrical Cut Pod. On both of those things. On both of those things. Um, if you want to follow our personal accounts, I'm Mallory underscore watches and Terry is prefax on the Instagram. We've both sacked off the Twitter. Um, and then you've got the mother pod as well if you want to get uh, in touch with them or engage with them on the social media. TMTOOH. Correct. On the Instagram and the Twitter. Yeah, they're the same. They do now. that. Yeah. And too much time on our hands on Facebook. And you can also email us if you want theatricalcut at gmail.com. That'd be magic. Um, I've just realised you've got nothing to bang for your mic drop. Uh, I'll have to slap my knee. Oh, God. Terry's got his Are flesh you all done? Up. I'm all done. Mic drop. Ooh.